Welcome to I Love Palm Beach. We talk about everything Palm Beach County, Florida has to offer and why you should make it your home. We are a team of real estate professionals who love where we live, and we want to show you why you will love Palm Beach too. You'll learn about our hobbies and our lifestyle stories for fun and amazing things to do. Follow in our search for stories to find the best of. Whether it's a specific food or service, Palm Beach has it all and does it bigger and better. Or follow our local hero stories to discover the amazing people who call Palm Beach home. And now, here's your host, Rebecca Giacoba. Hi everybody, we're here today with one of our most favorite residents of Palm Beach County. He's been here for probably about 30, 35 years. He is a half-time resident. He spends half his time in Massachusetts and half his time in Palm Beach County. And his name is Arvi Bahal. And he is an interesting person because his dream is to visit all United Nation countries. And Arvi, if I'm correct, it's 190? 193. 193. And yeah, then after he completes that, he's going to go on one of Richard Branson, Branson's missions and go up into space. So, RV, tell us how many countries you've been to so far. I know you're towards the end of your journey. Well, first of all, I got to tell you my full name. Uh, people call me Army, but my full name is Arvinder and last name is Bahal. And I've been to 100 and, uh, 187 countries. I got six countries left to finish every country member of United Nations. There are three countries which, are, which don't have a voting right in the United Nations, and they are Taiwan, Formosa, and Liechtenstein. And I've been to all those three too. Plus, I've been to the North Pole and the South Pole, right at the poles itself. Wow, I think when you were, where did you see, oh, you saw the polar bears actually in Canada. Correct? I saw polar bears in Churchill, Canada, in Manitoba, mm -hmm. and also saw polar bears when I was taking the ship to the North Pole. Okay, so how did this all start for you and when did it start? Well, I always had an urge to travel around and I never, uh, had a motto in my mind that I want to finish every country in the world, but I always like unique visit unique places in the world. So when I got to about 100 countries, I joined a, a club called TCC Travelers Century Club. Uh, people who went to 100 countries can become a member. And then I met some people who had made a life aim to travel to every country in the world, and I thought I should do the same. And I started traveling when I was pretty young. I used to work in the tea plantations and we used to get six months off after four years of service. And I traveled abroad then and then I started traveling after that. And uh, I've been in the United States since 1975. And basically most of my travel started after I immigrated to the United States. Okay, so when you came to the United States, you settled in Massachusetts? I came to New York, uh, landed in New York, stayed there for a few days, and then came to Boston, Massachusetts. And since then, I've been in Massachusetts. 
And when did you make Palm Beach County your second home? I <coughs> bought my uh, property where my house in Palm Beach in 1981. Okay. So a long time. Yeah. And uh, I, I've been, you know, since then, I've been a resident of Palm Beach. Uh, I stayed at the Old Port Cove. You've been to my place. You've seen my place. Mm -hmm. And because of my travel and my office being in Boston, so I basically commute between the two places. Okay. So let's talk about your travels. You've been so many places. Can you give me a couple highlights? Well, it's people always ask me, what's your favorite country that you visited? It's very hard to name one country which is a favorite. Every country has a distinct uh, place that I like or people. I basically travel for uh, traditions and cultures. Uh, last, uh, uh, early this year, I went to Ethiopia to Omo Valley uh, where there are 11 tribes. And I went and saw some tribal people, which was very fascinating. Uh, I think I showed you the picture of the yes, woman with the, with the big lips. They put a plate in the lip. And it's surprising they have these young guys there. It's their tradition. These young guys, they call them jumpers. They have to jump over so many cows. And then they become jumpers. And the a woman's parents, a young girl's parents hired them to whip the woman. And that whipping is done by the jumpers only. And they pay the jumpers to whip their daughters or, you know, before they get married. And after whipping is so strong and it leaves scars on their body, the more scars a woman has, the more valuable she is to her parents because they get more cows or sheep when she gets married. So that was very that, unique culture. Yeah, what does the whipping symbolize? Is it symbolizes it just to get scar, I think it just to get scars on their body. And that's considered a sign of beauty and that's prestige. considered a sign of beauty, yeah. 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 Okay. Not and beauty, but it's it's I don't know what they consider it, but it's a tradition that they do that. Okay. It's amazing in this day and age that they still people, they still practice that. Yeah. Yeah, still practice that. Yeah. Well, I'm always fascinated with your animal adventures. Can you tell us about some of the animals you've seen in the wild oh, and sure. where they've been? And... Sure. Uh, I've been to most uh, uh, safari parks, the national parks in Africa. I've, I've been to Kuga National Park, which is supposed to be one of the best in South Africa. And mm -hmm. I've seen, I've been there, I've saw lions there, and I saw leopards, elephants. However, my favorite place is uh, in Tanzania and in Kenya, especially Serengeti area. Uh, I was there in June, July, which is the animals migration season. Uh, when the plane lands on the field, there must have been, I don't know, thousands and thousands of willoughbys and zebras. And it's and in the background, you see uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, snow snow on the peak of it and there are these wild animals it's a beautiful uh, sight and then took safari drives in the morning and in the evening so i've seen elephants like 
family of elephants. I mean, uh, 20 elephants with the uh, matriarch of elephant family is right in the front and he safeguards the whole family. And uh, when I was there, I saw baby elephant got stuck in mud. They were doing mud, ba uh, mud bathing and how the, the elephant with the big tusks and the female elephant, the mother, I suppose, uh, how they helped this baby elephant to get him out of the mud. It was fascinating to watch that. Uh, uh, other fascinating thing to see was giraffes when they come to the watering hole, how they stretch their legs to bend down their neck to drink the water. I mean, very, very unusual, very odd position, but that's how they have to because they're so tall, they have to kind of bend their legs and spread their legs to bend down to drink the water. And when they're drinking water, their lines hiding in the bush. I didn't see them attack the thing. Probably they had a feast before that, they weren't hungry. But that's how the most of the cats get their, uh, get their kill. You know, they ambush uh, the smaller animals. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to go to South Africa and go on safari and we watched some, um, a small group of young lions following some water buffalo. Oh, water buffalo just, is supposed yeah. to be the most dangerous animal. Most people think lions and cheetahs and leopards are more dangerous, but more people in Africa on uh, national parks are killed by the <clears> buffaloes <throat> than by anything else because buffaloes once they kind of stare at you and once you stare back at them, all they do is charge without thinking. And they have killed more people in, in the wild than any other animal. Yes, any I other have cat heard that. Animal. And you yeah. kind of just think of them as a big cow. You're not so worried, but there's but they are huge, very dangerous. huge groups very, of them too. Yeah. That I, that and I they're always in a group, always in a group. Yeah. You hardly ever see a buffalo uh, walking all by himself. They're right. always in a group. Well, the migration sounds amazing. I heard that that's just... Oh, migration is amazing, amazing. I didn't see it, but some of my friends told me how these alligators try to get wildebeest when they're crossing the... or zebras when they're crossing the river. I haven't witnessed that, but I've, I've heard about it and I've seen it on TV. And that's amazing how these alligators get the animals and take them underwater and drown them. And once they're drowned, then they can feast on them. So um, still sticking with the animals, what are some of the most unusual or rare species? I know you were able to see some gorillas. Where were you? I saw silverback gorillas in Rwanda and uh, in Volcanoes National Park. They're only about, they're called silverback gorillas. Uh, according to their estimate, there are only about 600 of these left in the world because poachers, kill them for their meat. Wow. And uh, it's it and they always these gorillas live in a family and uh, the older gorilla who's head of the family when the young gorilla takes over he kind of pushes the older gorilla the old uh, top of the pack out of the out of the clan and the older gorilla is all by himself left by himself and he just wanders around alone and very soon he dies. Oh, wow. 
and gorillas were fascinating. They're fascinating. I came as close to a gorilla as about six feet away. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took some, some beautiful pictures of these gorillas. And actually, the most other fascinating trip I ever had uh, was to the South Pole. Uh, it was amazing to see how our scientific uh, National Science Foundation has a station there where they do research on neutrinos. But it's, it's just, I, it doesn't snow there, but it's all frozen ice. I mean, at certain places, the ice is as thick as a mile down. And, Isn't, didn't uh, you just go there recently and didn't you suffer some frostbite? I actually, I, I went, uh, I spent the New Year Eve on the South Pole, uh, New Year uh, 2020, New Year Eve on the South Pole. Uh, I was very lucky. We were 11 people in my group and we were very lucky uh, that we were able to see when the pole moved. Uh, every year the pole shifts from one place to another. Uh, geographical poll, and uh, I was with the people when they took the marker of the old site of the poll to the new site, and I have some pictures of that too. Well, that's something not many people can say they did. No, not years. really. <laughs> we were very lucky. Eleven of us, with the people from the National Science Foundation, who were who marked the poll, who where the new poll is. Uh, they were there, and 11 of us were there. It was a fascinating trip. Well, talk and, about fascinating trip. Tell me what you just happened to you recently. I think you had an interview <laughs> by the BBC. Yeah. Where were you when the pandemic hit? Let's start there. Well, pandemic, it hadn't called it pandemic at that time, but they knew the virus was coming, a virus was there. So I flew from here to Egypt. There was no problem. Nobody checked anything. Nobody was worried about the... Uh, coronavirus. Anyway, from Egypt, Cairo, I spent two days there and, you know, went to the pyramids where I had been before. Uh, the flight, there's only one flight to Socotra Island because Yemen, they, they are, they're having a war there now uh, uh, because the local tribal, the terrorists, they call them the Houthis are, they don't, the local government, so they are fighting and there's war, and Saudi Arabia and people from United Arab Emirates, they sent their army forces there and they bombed these uh, sites where the terrorists are. However, our flight left at 2 o'clock in the morning to Socotra Island in Yemen. Uh, Socotra Island is also called the Galapagos of the Middle East. Uh, And it has the best beaches this is where the Indian Ocean meets the Arabian Sea. Okay. And they're white, milk-white sand beaches. And the milk-white sand dunes, which go up to three, 300, 400 meters high. Wow, that sounds uh, beautiful. Amazing. A beautiful place. So then coming back to what happened to me, <clears throat> on the second last day, third last day, we were sleeping on one of these tents on the beach at about 12.30 in the morning. We get a knock on the, get ready. We have to leave. You have to be evacuated because 
no, they're closing the borders. If you stay here, you won't be able to get out. There's a plane coming. You have to be there in 20 minutes. So we had to pack our tents and all, and we moved out of there. The plane didn't come till six o'clock in the morning. Wow. So we, and then the, we got into the plane and we thought we were going, they were taking us to Cairo all the way. However, the plane only took us to a place called Aden. And they said, you had to wait for another plane to come and take you. So we stuck there at Aden airport, waiting for the plane for 10 hours. Wow. Then the plane came and took us at 10 o'clock in the morning, four hour flight. We landed in Cairo at two o'clock in the morning. Checked into a hotel, went next day because all the borders were closing at noon that day. So went to the airport to try to get a flight up, flight back home to Boston. Couldn't get a flight. Actually, I was supposed to go to Lebanon, uh, Sudan, <coughs> and then to Lebanon, and then go to Syria for three days and come back. So all that, all those flights were canceled. So I had to get back. Couldn't get a flight. Very difficulty. I got a flight to Dubai. So I went to Dubai and I knew Emirates flew from Dubai to Boston. So with great difficulty, I was able to get one seat, which was probably the last seat wow. on the plane. And I got back to Boston. How would you have felt if you got stuck overseas while this was going on? Well, I'd be bored to death. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You'd be probably in a hotel if you could find one, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, I have, I have friends there. I, that won't have been a problem. But, you know, if I get stuck there for a month or even 20 days, I mean, I'll just go out of my mind. Right, Because right. I've, I've been to Egypt. I've seen everything there is to see in Egypt. What would I do? Right. <laughs> well, that's a good problem to have. They probably wouldn't let you go do much touring anyways. But, well, I'm glad you made it home safely. And you had quite an experience, but let's talk about, so you've got six countries left. Let's mention what they are. Well, two, one in South America, which is Suriname. It's a small country. I can go there anytime. That's not a big deal. The other one in Asia, mm -hmm. which is East Timor, which is pretty hard to get to because you have to go to either to Australia to get there or you have to go to Bali, Indonesia to get there. Well, that shouldn't be a problem, but it's a long, long, long flight, and it's uh, not on the top priority list of mine anyway. Okay. Uh, four countries in Africa are Angola, mm -hmm. uh, Congo, Democratic, not Congo itself, but Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, Mauritania, and Somalia. Okay. And do you have plans to visit any of them anytime soon? Well, I don't think. Uh, 2020 is going to be the year I'll be able to I don't visit. either. I absolutely don't either. But yeah. I think you're very, very close. So then your final thing that you're going to do, are you going to wait till you do all your six countries? Or I know you're planning um, to go with Richard Branson. Up in yeah, I've, uh, I've, you know, made a reservation on uh, Virgin Galactic. I'm one of their uh, uh, Voyages, I think they call it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and they call us future astronauts. Mm -hmm. uh, we get together all the time. They've done all the testing and all. Uh, 
they've also moved from Mojave Desert, where the shuttles were made, which is going to take us to uh, uh, space, uh, to to the port where the plane's going to take off and land. It's in New Mexico. It's called Spaceport New Mexico. Uh, they moved the shuttle over there, and they're doing test flights. And I think now they're just waiting for all the FAA or whatever approvals they have to get. Uh, and the first flight, uh, Richard Branson himself and his family will go. And after that, they'll start uh, commercial, flight, commercial flights. Okay. And there are seven people will go uh, in one, sh you know, it can take seven, up to seven people and, and two pilots. And it's based on the principle of uh, you play badminton, no matter how... No matter how you hit the shuttlecock, it always comes down with the head head down. So it's based on that principle. The 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 there's a mothership which is called which is a plane, and the shuttle which is going to take go to space is tacked to it under the plane with mothership, and it flies to fifty thousand feet, and it lets go of the shuttle, and the rocket fires there and you go up to about 100 miles above Earth. And uh, they say you get, uh, you'll get uh, a pull of six gravitational force, 6G. Okay. okay. And it goes up there and you get about six to seven minutes, five to seven minutes of weightlessness and the engine stops and you start falling back to Earth. Okay. And, you land, and then you land back at Mojave. Uh, okay. At, uh, Newport, New Mexico, sorry. Okay, so you're just going to land like in a body of water on the ground? No, no, no. The mothership's going to catch you? No, 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 no. It has, <laughs> when the shuttle comes down, there's no engine on the shuttle. Like okay. the NASA shuttles, uh, they go okay. up. When they land, there's no, no, uh, no engine on it. So okay. you land as a plane, as a glider. Okay, all right. That makes more sense to me. Okay. Yeah, you land on Earth. It's, it's, it, it will land back at... Uh, uh, Space Boat America, where okay. in New Mexico, and I think the total total time probably is four to five hours. Wow, what an experience! I would love to do that. That's amazing. Well, I'm so excited that you. Well, if you want to book a ticket, call me and I'll I'll sign you up. Sign well, I got I got to sell a lot of real estate before that happens, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll keep trying. I'm not a quitter. <laughs> But um, thank you so much. Um, this is actually the second time we did this interview. Um, it was actually before you went to Yemen. We had a problem with our recording. So I'm so glad we had the opportunity to do this again. And um, I'm going to see you in a couple weeks. You're going to be back in Florida, I hope. Absolutely. I'll be there on May 2nd, as I said. Okay. And we'll talk to you then. Okay, and then some point you're going to share your travels in a book or a documentary. Sure, I'm. I, I'm ultimately after I finish every country, and I come back from my okay. uh, space flight, I would probably uh, write a photographic journey of my life. Uh, I'm not a good writer, but uh, I've got plenty of photographs. Okay, and it'll be photographic journey of my life. It'll, it'll show all the pictures where I've been. And the book will be called Around the World and Beyond. Okay, well, I can't wait to see that. And if anybody has any questions, I'll have them reach out through me. 
Thank you for listening to this week's show, and we hope you visit again next week. Please share with your friends, and we look forward to showing you around our amazing city soon. Visit GiaRealty.com. That's G-I-A-R-E-A-L-T-Y team.com. Or you can call us at 561-203-4661.